Welcome to episode 55 of The Night Shift. Go back to the beginning of this year, and Max McHugh of the London Knights is going to do this. 0-4-1. The London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers were wondering which team would be the last one to win a game in the OHL. That's where this team sat. Keep that in mind because as we begin this episode, Mike Stubbs, Kyle Grimard, Jim Van Horn. You can follow Jim on Twitter at JCVH60. You can follow Kyle at Kyle Grimard. That's G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And you can follow me at Stubbs980. You can find this show where you found it now. Thanks for finding it. Leave us a review. Let us know what you want to hear about. And we can certainly talk about that in future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at globalnews.ca. The London Knights will play for an OHL championship. Gentlemen, first, we just have to get your reactions to that. Jim Van Horn, the London Knights will play for an OHL championship. That is uh, that is music uh, right now to Knights fans, for sure. And the sixth time under Hunter ownership uh, for the contesting the OHL championship. So, and thus, all the banners that are up there and... Um, uh, it, it's remarkable. We talked uh, earlier, Mike, you mentioned the start um, about organizational inertia. It was a theory put forward by Bill James of baseball uh, fa- uh, fame. And it was talking about the 88 Dodgers where championships, um, I wouldn't say fall in your lap, uh, but uh, if you are fundamentally so sound and you're, uh, talent development is in place, your model, your coaching, everything is sort of like the hunters have it in London. Every once in a while, the league will kind of align to allow you to walk through, uh, I wouldn't say an unexpected one, but different scenarios put you in a position where you're always there and you're always there, you're always there. And every once in a while, things will break your way. Now, it's not complete yet. But to get to an OHL final, it, 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 it does put a banner up in your building. It is a wonderful accomplishment. It didn't look great the first three or four games. It didn't look like this maybe was going to be possible. But everything is so sound and solid that uh, it, it happened. And um, congratulations to the Knights, all the people involved, the players especially, uh, for kind of persevering. There were a few ups and downs um, along the way, and there was always this solid belief. And we mentioned it, Mike, uh, the tightness uh, all the way through, even from the drop of the puck. I always felt just a bit on the inside that this group was really, really tight. So before we go sort of analyzing too much, just a tremendous accomplishment by these players. Kyle? I mean, it it really is amazing, Mike, when you bring it back to the team starting 0-4-1 on the season and fans and, and people panicking and saying it's done and they're going to have to... And it was so early in the season. I remember, Mike, a conversation you and I had talking about... These are the hunters we're talking about. This is a long season and a lot happens, especially in junior hockey. From that 
to where we are right now, which is pretty amazing. I also just want to give a big shout out to all of the different, all the different hurdles that this team has had to overcome this year with, you know, all as fresh as the Brett Brochu injury and Zach Bowen going into Sarnia for his first ever playoff start on the road in the West conference finals. Those games don't go his way. And to come back the way he did and give up three goals in the last two games, which were both wins, it's truly remarkable. I know, Jim, that you thought that that was that that game in Game Five was a signature moment for you. That's going to stand the test of time. But just hundred percent between that and everything else throughout the season of there were rumors of when I remember when Shane Wright was potentially getting dealt and London was in the mix and there was emotions going left and right. And then they didn't do it. And then they added other, and there was, there was always that, you know, mix in between and they didn't play great quote unquote down the stretch unlike Sarnia who won 17 or had points in 17 straight games. And people were questioning their series coming in against Kitchener and what they did to London last year. And for everything that builds up, the Knights make their way back in on a full deep team that started in goal and pushed all the way out to the defensive core to the uh, even keel playing on offense and a couple of, of veteran guys stepping up and making big plays. And it's really exciting to see. It's been a lot of fun and it keeps going. It's really hard to find a comparison uh, to, to what uh, Zach Bowen did. I mean, it was a unique circumstance with the uh, brochure injury and uh, that's what, makes it so fun i guess over the years mike yeah you think you've seen everything and then this new wrinkle comes along and kyle you've uh kind of analyzed zach bowen's game beautifully on our post game show just in terms of what he was able to do mentally firstly to be able to step in have those games in sarnia kind of unravel a bit and then to bounce back uh but i go back to always the the sort of preparation for that the fundamentals of developing a goaltender all year long, putting him in those positions in Ottawa with his family and friends in attendance against the best team in the league uh, to that point. And he gets a victory, the games that he won in Windsor, in Saginaw, and the development along the way. Um, there was that faith that they had in him that kind of came through in that uh, that famous now famous Friday night game uh, number five that gave the Knights uh, a stranglehold on this series and Bowen just found this confidence because they had confidence and faith in him that's it and that's where it came from and the two games that the London Knights lost in Sarnia there's going to be an adjustment you're looking around and one of your teammates is not there and no team knows this like the London Knights. And one of the reasons this team is so close is because they had to come to a point where they didn't just look around the dressing room and one of their teammates wasn't there. They went through the death of Abakar Kazbekov and it has galvanized this team. They had to be there for each other. And it's one of the hardest things any organization can go through. But this is a team that has been able to come through that support each other and now they support each other both on and off the ice it has been an incredible ride this year and that game five will stand out that one against the sarnia sting at budweiser gardens where sarnia had every reason to come back and win the playoff mvp to that point was not in the net for the london knights sarnia comes out and as much as you say hey you've got to match a start of your opponent 
you weren't matching Sarnia's start. They were outstanding in the first period of Game 5, and they outshot the London Knights 8 to nothing in six minutes. And Zach Bowen made eight saves. The first shot on goal for the London Knights goes in, and this team seemed to get a new breath right there. And everything just took off from that point on. If we look back to game six and closing it out, never an easy thing. There was so much talk about getting that good start. They wanted to start on time. And you look at the stat sheet and Kyle, it will say one nothing Sarnia early, but you score with 0.8 seconds to go in a period like Denver Barkey did. That must feel like two goals. It's demoralizing for an opponent as well because you play, you know, a decent period. London probably played their best opening 20 minutes on the road all series in game six. They outshot Sarni as well, and they find a way to squeak one in and tie the game 1-1 going into the second period. If you're London, you are stoked and fired up because this is an even game once again. If you're Sarnia, you're sitting there going, oh, we had it. All we had to do was keep it out for another 0.8 seconds. That's it. Point eight, and Denver Barkey with a with a really heads up play. He finds a way to tuck that puck in uh, late into the uh, in in the first period, and it gives London a little bit of life, a little bit of confidence. All London does at that point is go out and score two goals in the second period, really kind of take control of things. And on the back of after that game five performance of Zach Bowen, not that there wasn't confidence in Zach Bowen, but it's almost like a revitalized. Oh yeah. This is a goalie who won 15 straight games as a rookie in this league. He can do this. And from there, the confidence was just through the roof with this team and it showed. And then in the second period, you have the London Knights going ahead on a play that was nearly offside. Denver Barkey reads what's going on, jumps back onside and eventually, Ryan Winterton gets a puck to Easton Cowan. A little extra hesitation. Cowan's legs are spread wide in case he's got some kind of challenge from behind him. And he makes a perfect deke and scores. Here is Easton Cowan on what ended up being the game-winning goal in Game 6. Barkey leaving now for Winterton. He pauses. Barkey gets onside. Winterton in front. Cowan in back. It scores! Easton Cowan! Yeah, you know, Barks made a good play, good second effort there, and uh, Wentz made a great pass to me, and, you know, maybe the goalie thought I was going to try to uh, put it on the left side again, but put it in my backhand and got lucky, overslid a bit, and then, uh, yeah, like I said, great play. I thought it was offside, but I guess not, so it worked out good. Easton Cowan on the game-winning goal in Game 6, and then, Jim, Zach Bowen's read on the power play that leads to Logan Mayu's goal that made it 3-1 and really gave the Knights that space to put the Sting into a desperate spot. And that was such an important goal. But Zach Bowen was the guy who, yeah, we're talking about how many saves he's making. How about the play that he makes on that third goal? Well, it was incredible. And uh, when you talk about, uh, oh, there's so much to analyze about that. When you talk about small margins, small things, and Alan Latang talked about it after almost every game. So they're just, when you get to this level and this kind of a game when two teams are so close and battling, it is those small things um, that make a difference. And it was that recognition by Bowen that the, uh, lo we often talk about this long change second period. And all it took was about 10 or 15 feet difference, making that line change and getting your players out on the ice and in position. And the sting had those extra 15 feet to go and Bowen recognized it. 
quickly got the puck up to uh, Barkey, to Cowan, over to uh, streaking Mayu, and upstairs it went for a 3-1 lead. But for uh, I think at that moment, it was uh, maybe a little, ex- you were confirmed that it was a little exhaustion sneaking into the Sarnia Sting. They um, maybe rely on fewer players, but those players are so uh, dynamic. Um, and it was uh, maybe at that point where you saw they're a little worn out and the Knights jumped on that opportunity, got that 3-1 goal and what what a lift it gave the roster. But again, small things. Uh, Zach Bowen was mentally into the game, prepared to make that play. Kyle, uh, his puck handling, comment on maybe how the influence of Brett Brochua maybe at that moment. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you know Bowen's been able to see a lot sitting on the bench and and see how active Brett Brochu is, and it's probably something that they've talked about too, and maybe even Bowen's you know picked uh, Brett Brochu's brain about it and asking why you play the puck so much or when do you know when to go, when do you know when to back off, and you know he probably talks about how you know on a penalty kill for the other team, clearing the puck is is basically trying to get them off the ice for a line change. And if you can find a way to step up and make a feed, it kind of rushes the opponent a little bit and scatters them. And that's exactly what it did on that goal. And a heads up play by Bowen to get the puck up. And may you knows that that pass is coming. And instead of standing there and just letting him pass it, he darts up the ice and becomes an outlet, which would then end up being a perfect pass on a, uh, on a goal that would put the Knights up by two at that point. Well, it did. And then maybe the the hardest part is always surviving the wave that Sarnia brought. But Jim, you mentioned the legs were just not there throughout this series. And we talked going into it, the 11 versus seven, the idea that you use 11 forwards and seven defensemen. Both of these teams had been doing this during the playoffs. The Knights didn't do it as much in this series. They went to four lines and they rolled those four lines. And you look at the advantages and the disadvantages of using 11 forwards and seven defensemen. You are double shifting a forward. And sometimes if you're shortening your bench, you aren't using those other two forwards very much. And the Sting were really riding two, three lines. You might want to call it two and a half at times. And Jim, you mentioned that fatigue, the legs, the jump. It just didn't seem the same for the Sarnia Sting as the series wore on, did it? I, I don't. Yeah, I think you're bang on. And uh, especially um, right off the top uh, yesterday, we talked about what an elimination game does to your psychology. And um, I think as the game progressed and London was uh, London clearly had that closeout mentality, which on, on its own can provide you with that energy. Um, and the Sarnia Sting clearly saw that, OK, London's not. Uh, London's got that mentality. We've got to match it. And they looked in the tank and it just wasn't there. And as the game progresses in these elimination games and the vice kind of squeezes tighter and tighter on you, the clock is working against you and you've got to reach down and summon something at that point, about halfway through the game, it, it just wasn't quite there. There was a couple of minutes in the third period when, uh, the Sting, okay, got into that truly desperate sa- season-saving mentality. They started to, you know, have some zone time, but then it just, the tank was just empty. And uh, the the you just can't ignore, I don't think, uh, the fact that, okay, if we can't 
do this. It's over and it kind of works against itself. Um, and I think that's what happened. And, and, and full credit to the Knights who, uh, you know, had that uh, close out mentality and found energy in the uh, situation that was before them that, hey, we can we can finish this. And they did it with uh, style and just exactly how you want to draw it up. And then you look toward the end when Sarnia is really pressing and they've just pulled Ben Godro. And what happens? Ryan Humphrey gets the puck, gets down the ice. The net is open. Godro's trying to dive back in. Humphrey scores an empty netter. And that, with minutes to go in the game, made it 4-1. And it was just a countdown from there. Now, Sarnia still buzzed, but it was a countdown from there. And then Ryan Winterton, his third empty netter from his own zone. Here is Ryan Winterton talking after the game. I don't know. It's uh, I'm getting put in the right situations, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. So, yeah, it's nice to get those extra... Extra empty netters, and uh, yeah, we're going for the JR. London Knights forward Ryan Winterton with three empty netters, all shot from his own end. If there is an accuracy contest, Kyle, you hosted the skills competition, and, and as much as there was accuracy, you didn't have to do it from your own zone, because in hockey, you shouldn't have to. But talk to us about Ryan Winterton. 11 points in the series, and just the ability to go out and carry the Knights when it, when they needed to be, you know, sparked or when they needed to play defensively, he was making all of them. Well, I knew Ryan Winterton was going to be, you know, a big offensive guy with this team coming over from the Hamilton Bulldogs in a trade earlier on in the year. You know, he finished, you know, the year prior with uh, 20 goals, 46 points in 37 games with Hamilton. What I wasn't expecting from him, and maybe I just didn't watch enough tape, was the defensive awareness, the active stick, the ability to just carry himself and go out of his way and really shine brightest in these moments. It's why he won an OHL cup last year with Hamilton. It's why him, Diaco and Humphrey were brought over from Hamilton over last year was because they've been there and done that before. He knows how to elevate himself. And like you said, 11 points in six games, in the biggest series of the year so far for the London Knights, he delivered in a lot of big moments. And you can say all you want about him scoring empty net goals, but the coach trusts him to be out there in the dying minutes, protecting a lead and then capping off the game. And that is a huge credit to him. He, he is beloved by his team. He was brought in halfway through the year. It was a bit of a slow start for him, having not played any games before making his debut for London halfway through the year. We are seeing why London acquired a guy of this caliber because he brings it each and every night and is a major catalyst as to why the Knights are in the OHL championship. And Mark Hunter, here, here. when he makes trades, a lot of times you have to wait and watch and you think, okay, I, I know this player is a good player, but the more you see him, and it takes most of us about 30 viewings, it takes Mark one. He knows what it is that he is getting from that player. And Ryan Winterton has been that addition. Ryan Humphrey's been that addition. And George Diaco early in the season was that addition. And George talked after the game about not wanting a game seven. Yeah, we knew how much this um, game mattered. Like like everyone says, game, game seven go anyway. And uh, that's why we didn't want to bring it back on Monday. But, yeah, we worked hard, executed full 60 minutes, and we got it done. George Diaco on the fact that you never know what is going to happen in a game seven? Gentlemen, let's look at one other aspect of this. Jim, you and I were talking 
after game six, and there have been so many coaching jobs by the Knights coaching staff led by head coach Dale Hunter that you say, wow, that was incredible. And it does go back to things like the 2005 Memorial Cup and shutting down Sidney Crosby and all of the players that they had, that kind of fab five that the Ramuski Oceanic had, and the Knights shut them down, shut them out four to nothing. I mean, that in itself was just masterful in the way that it was done. And then you look ahead and 2012, was a combination of Mark and Dale Hunter, 2013, 2016, all of these championship runs. There have been other times that weren't even championship runs. You cited Bill James and that organizational inertia. You put yourself in those positions, and so often Dale Hunter has his teams in those positions. This coaching job, does it does it rank at the top right now for what we've seen? Well, it's... Uh... It's a bit like uh, uh, analyzing Spencer Tracy's movies, right? Which one is the best performance? <laughs> um, and uh, I guess Dale would be appreciative of that older reference maybe, but uh, he's been around a while and has seen it all, right? Um, yeah, I mean, the adaptability, uh, Terry Doyle on the broadcast yesterday talked about that, just about how if he has the run and gun talent, He'll put in a bit more of an offensive style. This team, no 30-goal scorers uh, and lots of uh, pretty solid prospects on defense. So you put in maybe a little different system and rely on Brett Brochu and the goaltending. And that kind of took its uh, you know flavor, I guess, uh, over the uh, course of the year. But yeah, I think the st- moreover, the stability uh, the success that they've had, the st- but you any player walking into the London situation, it's all very clear about what your expectations are. Uh, you're not going to uh, have things your way all the time. You bend to the team. What the team needs today, you provide that. It's never about any individual or whatever. You will benefit from the overall team success, and it's a uh, you're not going to get the coach uh, out of the, you're not going to win a battle with the coach. Um, you see some other organizations going through coach after coach, and there's this s- solid uh, stability there of expectation, which I think is quite clear when you walk. And I think that does help. And it doesn't also hurt that the the guy's pretty good at what he does. Right. And uh, he's coached a lot of games, played a lot of games, he kind of studies, the, he's a, prof- a true professional. And there's never any question about how how things go uh, with the London Knights. It's this way. And Mark and Dale are united, the whole staff's united, and how they bring together a team and make uh, kind of make them feel welcome here and a part of it. And I think that's the key more than anything. He'll take care of the hockey part. But everybody who walks in just has this clear idea of what has to be done. Well, here is Max McHugh looking back to the very beginning of this season through to where the Knights are right now, getting set to begin an OHL championship series against one of two opponents. Here's Max. You know, yeah, we had a rough start to the season. Um, You know, guys needed to get their feet um, a little more wet, the young guys, and the older guys needed to start playing, you know, a little more consistent. And Obviously, picking up three ex-champions, you know, helped huge at the deadline. And, um, you know, Broche was Broche and Bowen was Bowen. And, um, you know, our team, you know, we were really resilient. And, um, you know, we have we got a lot of, you know, good work, hardworking guys in there and great guys off the ice too. And, um, you know, we're a really well-bonded team. And, um, yeah, we're, we're champs. 
London Knights forward Max McHugh looking at players and who has been here and who's been through it and then bringing in guys who have been through it. If you go back to last year, I feel so bad and always have for the Hamilton Bulldogs because they are a perfect example of what can happen when you have to get to the Memorial Cup in the way that the Bulldogs did and then you have to face a team that lost in the first round. Hamilton, if you have them at full strength, Lawson Shirk is healthy. Uh, Nathan Steos is healthy. These guys were not healthy in any way. Other guys were not healthy. Ryan Winterton was not healthy. If you have the healthy Hamilton Bulldogs taking on the St. John Sea Dogs, I'm sorry, Sea Dogs, you are Memorial Cup champions, but you don't beat the Bulldogs twice. You just don't. And that team was really beaten to a pulp to get to where they did. They were dealing with a lot of injuries. And so that team deserves more credit than what they get because they were only a Memorial Cup finalist. And so George Diaco, Ryan Humphrey, and Ryan Winterton have brought that to the London Knights. Now, before we close out the night shift and episode 55, let's look at Peterborough and North Bay. Because what happened in game six as Peterborough was playing for their lives? A former Hamilton Bulldog, Avery Hayes, scores the game winner in overtime to force a game seven. Kyle, Peterborough versus North Bay in a game seven. What do you think? It's exactly what I think the Eastern Finals wanted. It's two very good defensive teams at times that have flexed their muscles and shown they can really shut things down and persevere and battle through. And Peterborough does an amazing job at pushing that thing to seven. Now, in a game seven, it throw the numbers, throw everything out the window because anything can happen in a one-game series up until this point. And I'm excited to see what happens. I feel like North Bay of the two, maybe you could give them the edge just being at home and, you know, being the, you could say the better team in the regular season, but anything can happen at that point. And we, a lot of us did think that this series between London and Sarnia would also go seven. London finds a way to push through in six. It's going to be exciting. And we'll see who London awaits in the OHL final. Jim, tell us what you think of Peterborough versus North Bay. The Knights will face the winner of Game 7, and if it's North Bay, the series, the OHL Championship, will start in North Bay. If it's Peterborough, the series will start in London. That's about all we know right now. You paid close attention to this series and certainly to Game 6. What do you think? Yeah, North Bay is going to be tough to beat at home, but Peterborough has something. They have that... uh, history and uh, when they get a sniff of something like this Peterborough is a tough out so I'm you know I don't want to really predict because it's a real toss-up and uh, I just game seven it's all you really need to say but I have to say um, North Bay is in that building where they played so well all year Um, I I think I'm going to probably lean to North Bay but in either case, um, the Knights have some unfinished business because maybe a couple of the subpar games that they played this year, one was in Peterborough and the other was in North Bay. Uh, the Knights have, uh, you know, have got their work cut out for them regardless. Yeah, a good team is coming out. It's always a good team when you get this far in the playoffs. Let's end this with a little something from Ryan Winterton on the Knights. Not feeling finished yet. You know, we're not satisfied. Um, you know, it's fun and all. It's a great, great experience for all these guys, um, including ourselves. And 
uh, but we're not satisfied. We, we want the end goal, and that's the Memorial Cup, and um, you know that's what we're going to do. London Knights forward Ryan Winterton. If you were going to pick a Western Conference Final MVP. I think you'd get a lot of votes for Ryan Winterton. We will preview whoever it is that the London Knights and the... We will preview whoever it is that the Knights are playing in the OHL Championship Series a little later on this week. If it's Peterborough, it starts in London. If it's North Bay, it starts in North Bay. You can find us on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, at jcvh60 for jim and at stubs 980 for me thank you for finding this podcast leave us a review let us know what you think of it it's on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and at globalnews.ca gentlemen thank you and we will talk ohl championship series on our very next episode